If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, folks, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show. So you want to watch the program live or on demand, it's good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us on this Friday. Um, you've seen this or probably heard of this or, I don't know, depending on the news outlet you consume. You may not have seen this. Um, <laughs> the reports leaked from, or released, I should say, from the transcripts of the interviews that happened with uh well, concerning Russian collusion, remember we had talked about this for virtually the entire Trump presidency. I've been through this dozens upon dozens of times. And again, as I've shared before, President Trump won the election. There was a period of time that the left was in denial. It's the first step of really the grieving process, denial. They did not believe that it happened. They couldn't believe that it happened. They'd been telling us for a long time that it was a foregone conclusion that Hillary would be the president of the United States. In fact, even the morning of the election, they showed us odds put together by scientists, folks. Scientists calculating the odds, showing us that Hillary had a 98 point whatever percent chance it was of winning the presidency. Trump had something like a 1.3% chance. I've got the image posted somewhere from uh, from uh, the Huffington Post the morning of the election. Of the election, the day, election day, they were off that much. And so, and so Trump wins that night. They were in shock. You've seen some of the footage of temper tantrums and uh, well, the snowflakes melting before our very eyes. Then, then they quickly realized, well, first they needed to cope. They needed the coping me- uh, mechanisms. Things like adult coloring books became in vogue. Things like, uh, what else did they use? They, they um, service dogs. There were service dog requests. College campuses, college camp I had to be closed, had to shut down. Couldn't have classes. This was destroying the mental health, the well-being of college students all across this nation. 
and it was simply just too much for some folks to handle. So we had to listen to this stuff for a while. But they got their act together relatively quickly after a week or two of that and realized, you know what? This guy is going to be president of the United States, and we better do something about this. And so they immediately started talking about impeachment. And they did. They started talking about impeachment. I I can document back to day 11 of of Trump's uh, term in the the White House. But we know that these conversations, if they bring it up publicly on day 11, these conversations happened in the wake of the 2008 election. Too much for these snowflakes to, to handle. This became the strategy. This became the strategy that they would pursue um, that we've still seen them trying to pursue even with impeachment, which, by the way, the vote, remember this, the impeachment vote just happened um, at the beginning of the spread of the coronavirus. And I'm not in San Antonio, so if I were to say the Wuhan coronavirus, as the media did, um, I can say that because I'm not in San Antonio. I don't know if you saw that. That's considered hate speech in San Antonio. I think if you call it the Chinese virus, I don't know what it is. You know the things that these city councils feel it's appropriate to legislate. But nonetheless, I can say that firmly ensconced here in the home studio, should I desire to do so. COVID-19 is fine. Um, But look, if they're going to try to blame President Trump for this, I think it is appropriate that President Trump reminds us where this, in fact, came from. It's not because of racial things as folks want you to believe nonetheless this is this is what they do this is what they do they either they 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 strategize on the uh around this this concept of, of of impeachment this is whatever president trump does they basically hold it up metaphorically to the american people their version of it which by the way is usually as we found out from these documents that have been released has little to no uh semblance of truth in them has little to no accuracy. And so they go from item to item, holding them up for the American people to look at. And they say, Does this, is this worthy of impeachment? We know Trump deserves to be impeached for something. What about this? What about this? What about that? And so they settled on this Trump-Russian collusion narrative. And so the newly released transcripts, and I'll post this on Facebook if you haven't seen it. You may have heard this. But one after another, they entered the 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 documents that were released i'm looking here at fox news which listen if you're a fox news hater i consume news of in places um that only the brave go i mean i go to places like vice and vox different places radically off the you know just off the charts radically left and i also look at fox these are these are facts the transcripts that were released There's not one Democrat that had any empirical evidence that collusion happened. Remember, Adam Schiff was telling us, Adam Schiff was telling us that what was happening behind these closed door hearings was just, I mean, just overwhelmingly convincing. This was all part of their game. This is all part of the process. You know, there's no way to confirm it. We have to believe Adam Schiff for some reason. I never did. But nonetheless, this is what they told us. So let's look at a couple of these before I take a quick time out, and I want to share an interview I had with Andy Biggs, who is the House Freedom Caucus chair. He and I talked yesterday about uh, the recovering economy, coronavirus, and so forth. But I want to read a couple of these, and we'll probably revisit this later in the program. James Clapper, the Director of National Intelligence. 
I never saw any direct empirical evidence that Trump, uh, that the Trump campaign, excuse me, or someone in it was plotting, conspiring, uh, conspiring with the Russians to meddle with the election. That's not to say that there weren't concerns. Oh, he had concerns about the evidence we were seeing, anecdotal evidence, but I do not recall. I love it. I love the I do not recall. Do not recall seeing any evidence that justifies, well, these are my words here at the end, uh, this dog and pony show we've put you through. He says, I do not recall any instance uh, where I had direct evidence. What about Samantha Power, former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations? I am not in possession of anything. I am in, not in possession and didn't read or absorb absorb information, absorb information that came from out of the intelligence community. When she was asked again if she had direct evidence, uh, she said, "She said I, I am not. Or what was the question here specifically? But she said, they're all asked about whether or not they're in possession of evidence. Do they have any evidence? Susan Rice, we all know Susan Rice, who went out there before the media to push the lie that Benghazi was a spontaneous response from a group of peace-loving folks in Benghazi that were upset because of a video decided to storm the uh, the compound in, in Benghazi. She says, to the best of my recollection, there wasn't anything smoking, but there were some things that gave me pause. We have pause. We have concern. This is, again, my interpretation. She continues here. I don't recall. Don't She doesn't recall. She learned this from the Clintons. I don't recall intelligence that I would consider evidence to the effect that I can uh, saw conspiracy prior to my departure. There's lots more. There's lots more. Remember, Adam Schiff basically said, hey, if you knew what I knew, you would be up in arms. You would be ready to run this president out of town and impeach him. It's overwhelming. And he's lying. He's absolutely unequivocally made it up because you can go through all these and you can find no evidence, no direct evidence of collusion. It was a pipe dream. It was a strategy. It was it was uh, the way that they wanted to throw a wrench in the gears, stop this president from draining the swamp or whatever you want to say from doing whatever he was elected to do. And I've got to take a break because I want to get this whole interview squeezed in here with Andy Biggs. Andy Biggs, um, Republican from the great state of Arizona. He joined us and he is going to talk about um, the economy, economic recovery efforts. He's on the the Trump task force. He's going to talk about uh, coronavirus and we're going to talk about liberty, the threat the threat that liberty is facing in this country with some of these dramatic over-the-top things that we've seen some states and communities dealing with as they have uh, justified in their minds as a response, a proper response to coronavirus, COVID-19, social distancing, and the like. Got to take a time out. Get to that after the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, so let's share this conversation I had with Andy Biggs yesterday. Again, Andy Biggs is representative from the great state of Arizona, 5th District. Andy Biggs is um, now the chair, the chair of the House Freedom Caucus, which is really um, one of the, well, it's the focus of defending liberty in our government. That's good to have. 
good to have in the house. And so it's my pleasure to have him on the program. Uh, I'll share our conversation here yesterday. I hope you enjoy this. And when we get back, I'll probably shift back to talking about uh, these findings on um, from these documents pertaining to the complete fraud, 100% fraud that's known as Adam Schiff. So with that being said, I want to stay on, on course here and uh, and share this conversation I had with Representative Andy Biggs, Republican congressman from the great state of Arizona. I hope you enjoy. I have the good fortune today of being joined by Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona's 5th District. He's on President Trump's uh, task force to reopen the economy. Representative Biggs, thank you for joining us. How are you today, sir? Thanks, Todd, for having me. I'm glad to be with you. Well, it's good for you. Uh, We're looking forward to having you and and talking about this today. So you're on the president's task force to reopen the economy, which is absolutely something that needs to continue to happen across this country. And I know there are big differences uh, depending upon where someone is in a particular state or region of the country today. But overall, can you give us a quick summary of where America is concerning the process of, quote, reopening the economy? Well, we're probably a little bit behind the schedule I think the president would like to see, and, and certainly behind the schedule I'd like to see. Um, you know, we're we're starting to see more states open up. We're grateful for that. Uh, and But I would say I, I think the president's right. This is really something the state's governors need to, to, t- to handle. But what he's doing is he's trying to provide some guidelines, and he's also trying to cheerlead for cheerlead them a little bit and goad them into opening if they haven't opened. But but we're behind schedule uh, in my book. But uh, uh, not necessarily due to the president, more due to the um, the governors that are slowing down, putting speed sticks on the economy. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're right. One of the things that I've thoroughly enjoyed and respected about President Trump during this process is he has applied a what I consider a very healthy pressure to reopen the economy for some time now, something that, candidly, I see lacking in many senators, governors, and other representatives. Now, you're not in that group because you've been outspoken about it as well. Can you tell us why some leaders, oftentimes Democrats, although that's not exclusively true, why they seemingly ignore the consequences uh, that will result from not getting things back uh, moving from an economic perspective? Well, I think there could be any number of reasons. I think some of them are using it to ir- uh, irrigate power to, to them. And some of them, I mean, like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Clyburn here, the minority, excuse me, the majority whip in the House have said they want to remake America, and this is an opportunity to do that. Uh, there's, so there's there's some of that. Then you've got some other people who are just nervous and uh, concerned, and uh, I don't think they're looking at the data quite right or the science quite right. But that's that's their business. But but the reality is, the longer they hold out, uh, the more difficult it's going to be to to restore uh, the economy because it, it, it our economy is vibrant, the foundation is strong. But I mean, when you say you're going to have to put 33 million people back to work, it's real hard to flip that switch um, real quick. I mean, you got cra- you got some crazy things going on. You've got Oregon that basically, uh, I, I, who knows where they're coming from, but they, they want to absolutely shut everything down for as long as possible, and I, I, I don't get that. 
Yeah, they seem to be. This is the same coin. There's two sides. There's the health side. There's the economy side. There's no pause button, right? We can't pause one to make everything perfect with one side. Both of these things have to be mitigated at the same time. So tell us a little bit about some of these things. You mentioned some of these folks, the more radical folks, um, want to use this opportunity to remake America. I think you're exactly right. I've heard some of these things from Green New Deal, from AOC out there telling folks to uh, use this opportunity to to strike, basically to demand this is an opportunity to become more socialistic or whatever she's dreaming up over there. But what are some things that you hear or maybe fear that people will try to do to take advantage of uh, remaking America here in this uh, during this crisis? Well, there's several of them, uh, and I'll I'll just tell you, Todd, the one that that really would totally remake us is they want to change the electoral system. They want to go to all mail-in ballots. They want to have, uh, they want to implement uh, a system of uh, electoral checks that would basically emasculate the people who typically would vote for Republicans, and and put it that way. So that's that's been in er, er, an attempt in every one of these relief packages that the but that our colleagues have put forward. So that's one thing. Uh they've also attempted to expand um the the uh the various programs that we have here. Um so they build a bigger constituency, very difficult to change that constituency. They've removed some of the the work uh requirements that we that we've had in uh welfare programs that took a long time if you remember just decades literally to get these work uh, prog- uh work requirements in these programs they've basically suspended them uh it'll be very tough to get those fully reenacted um, you know you, when you start looking at some of those things that doesn't sound like much but when you also look at what we we're dealing with with the economic structure um, where you're talking about a, a structural deficit of over 4 trillion dollars already this year um, you're looking at 20 Five twenty-seven trillion dollars in national debt—that's a problem, as well. You look at the Green New Deal; they they keep trying to throw that into it. Uh, so, so there's a whole host of things uh, uh, that that they're really trying to do to remake America in a progressive, liberal, uh, left-leaning uh, uh, nation. So uh, that's a problem. And, and don't forget—I mean, you're seeing shutdown of of religious institutions, uh, which. In a normal crisis, the last thing you want to shut down are religious institutions because they provide people with comfort who are facing economic, mental, emotional, spiritual stress. And so you've got all of this going on uh, for one reason or another, and it's, it's, it's been very detrimental to the country. Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm, I'm a, involved with our local church's leadership team, and, and we've had conversations about that. You know, the... Uh, the stress and the negative consequences um, of not being able to gather are overwhelming to some people. I mean, there's there's you know spiritual or mental issues or just you know just being alone. So maybe talk about that. I've, we've seen some folks that have uh, some states that have taken some really aggressive stances against churches. Um, is that justifiable, or what's uh, what should be done in some of these uh, some of these instances where folks are saying you absolutely cannot meet, and if you do, we're going to throw the pastor in jail, sort of thing? Yeah, it's been ridiculous. And if you and if you show up, we're we're going to 
track down who's, who shows up at church, etc. Those, those types of things are ridiculous. And what we see is there's this, there's this vacuum and void when people can't uh, gather to worship and acknowledge their faith. Uh, uh, fear replaces faith. Despair replaces hope. And so uh, as you talk to communities, community leaders, particularly first responders who deal with this on the front lines, you've got higher suicide rates, more calls to suicide hotlines. You've got increased domestic violence You've got increased child abuse. You have um, this uh, uh, use of drugs and alcohol uh, proliferates. And uh, what it is 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 people miss uh, the association they have with others. They miss the the opportunity for spiritual renewal that I think uh, we crave. And uh, that's 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 certainly uh, a void that people are trying to fill. And and it's not being filled in probably the, the the healthiest ways. Look, how many how many times can I watch uh, a rerun of a of a mystery show or a food show or you know exactly. something like that? Uh, you know, you you've got to be able to to reach out and and have uh, a stimulation of of uh, that you get when you can uh, socialize and worship. Well, I know this isn't your state, but I, I'm sure you've you've seen the uh, the lady who opened her hair salon, and I think it's in Dallas, Texas, and she was uh, basically, before the judge, given three options. You can either apologize and tell us how selfish you are. You can uh, spend a week in jail and pay a fine, or I forget the third option. She chose to go to jail. So there's all sorts of examples like this, and um, I guess what I'm getting at is here, there you can be you can have a respect for the virus and want to be wise and safe. You can have concerns for the economy and want it to get back on track. And you can worry about our liberties being taken away uh, by the government during this crisis. Maybe talk a little bit about that and some of the things that you've seen, whether through the news or maybe even in your own uh, district, some of the abuses that have happened across this country. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you Todd, it's, it's, there's so many. Uh, we actually have on my website, uh, bigs.house.gov, we list and update every day uh, – from all over the nation, uh, these these stories of of constitutional rights being abrogated by uh, petty tyrants uh, around the country. So so that's really important to to me because I think we need to fight that, um, and that's what we've seen. But so when I I try not to limit it, saying well, let's open up the economy. I'm saying let's open up society um, because uh, I trust the American people. Nobody in America wants to, to get somebody else sick. And so I think that we can social distance, et cetera, but I, I don't understand why you can go to a big box store, but you can't go t- uh, to a local furniture store. That's right. Uh, uh, because the local furniture store, for wh- what reason? I mean, th- all that's necessary. There's no job that's necessary or unnecessary uh, that's determined by a bureaucrat. It's It should be left up to the marketplace. And that's who we are as Americans. We're free people. We, we can... Uh, we could say, look, we're going to put some guidelines on you. Be careful, you know, wear masks when you need to wear masks, etc. Social distance, uh, all of these things. If you're in an, if you're in a particularly vulnerable group, you you should you should stay inside. I mean, and we, people like me, who is not there, we should try to make sure that you have what you need. Do you need someone to go get your your food? Do you need a caregiver who can come in? That's what we should be doing. But but this notion that that we can, we're going to basically uh, hurt our food supply chain. We're going to put uh, people out of business, out of um, out of employment. We're going to crash the 
the market so that if you have retirement savings or college savings invested in America, it's going to be at risk. These types of things have massive amounts of of uh, public health issues associated with them as well. So we have got to to get our society back open. And I'll just tell you, Todd, I've been stunned by how how quickly and how easily Amer- Americans have acquiesced into what I view as an absolute abrogation of their constitutional uh, liberties. Well, you're right. And how much does that how much does that concern you long term to think that to think that these foundational fundamental principles upon which this nation was built in metaphorically the blink of an eye we have people ready to give those up in return for some sort of promise of utopia or safety or something that we'll never have this side of heaven to begin with that's promised to us by the government how how concerned are you about that oh i i i'm really really concerned about that because uh you know ronald reagan said this he said you know liberty's not in your dna he said you you have to fight for it every generation and if we don't fight for it in this generation, you'll one day be sitting on a porch in your on your chair explaining to your grandchildren what it was like to live in America when it was free. And that's really the, the nub of this whole issue is, uh, is that we are seeing how quickly and how easily uh, you can step in and say, you know, you can't associate with other people, which is a basic fundamental right uh, recognized in the First Amendment. You can't worship. Uh, you can't go into your 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 churches. We're not going to let the churches be self-determinant how they're going to govern the way they worship. We're going to shut you down of your business. We had we had governors that were trying to limit Second Amendment rights. All of these rights that go forward, we have got to fight for constantly. Um, you have people saying abortion is a is an essential uh, uh, medical procedure, but uh, people are afraid to go in and get their um, their cancer treatments right. for fear of getting coronavirus. I mean, these trade-offs, these inconsistencies that we've made, Todd, I'm afraid that, that uh, it's real easy to acquiesce to those things, and it's real hard to put them back in the box. And you brought up the, the Dallas uh, case recently. The Texas Supreme Court ruled that she should be released immediately. Oh, well, it, it's more than that. That judge overstepped his bounds, mm-hmm. and he should and he should be removed from his his judgeship. That's what I would think would be an, a normal, rational uh, basis. But then there's so many people, and that's why the the Justice Department has got to step in. They are in the enforcement wing, wing uh, of the Fourteenth Amendment uh, and of the of the federal government, and that's to make sure your rights and my rights and everybody's listening, their rights are protected. Uh, and we've got to see we've got to see that happening right now. We absolutely do. And speaking about rights, you're you're the chairperson now of the House Freedom Caucus since uh, Mark Meadows has moved along. And so maybe talk a little bit because I, I I look at the, the the Freedom Caucus as a group that I mean you you're, this group is really the beacon of of constitutional freedoms of liberty um, in in the Congress and. It's encouraging to see the growth and the people getting involved and the influence that that uh, that you guys have increased there in in Congress. So maybe talk a little bit about some priorities and what's going on with the Freedom Caucus. Well, uh, thanks for that. And I will tell you, we've had two great chairmen who started the Freedom Caucus. Uh, you know, Jim Jordan was the first chairman, and Mark Meadows the the uh, now the president's chief of staff, as you said, and and he's he was the second chairman. Then I I've got some massive shoes to try and fill, 
but our what we're doing is is we're trying to um, do some of the things that you and I've been talking about. We're trying to highlight the need to protect uh, our our rights um, in this situation. I mean, the, there's no there's no asterisk in the in the Constitution that says all of these rights and all the limitations on government go away when there's an emergency. There's nothing in there that says that. So so that's important. So we push on that. We're pr- trying to push. Uh, and constrain the spending. It's been very difficult here right now because it just seems to grow like topsy. And then we're looking at some other things that I think are really uh, critical and important, too, that have kind of been under the radar, but you've probably heard about these lately. I mean, the inspector general said that when he looked at what the FBI was presenting to the FISA court, uh, he took a sample of all the cases that they have. He just pulled 42 random cases, and guess what? Every one of them had... uh, problems. Some were deliberately bad, bad and looked like they were trying to manipulate their, their pleadings to the, to the uh, court, and some were just accidental and sloppy, just absolutely sloppy, uh, and would warrant a dismissal if there was proper oversight. Uh, and then you have this stuff going on where that's kind of rebounding with Mueller, the Russian investigation, and all of those things that, that were a problem that continue to be a problem, and then we, then of course, we have to deal with always uh, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi, who've made it another cause celeb in their plan to try to uh, reinvestigate and relitigate the impeachment. Well, I appreciate that. So, one more quick question. I know, you, I know you've got to run here, but one of the questions I get asked a lot as a as a host of a talk talk program is, you know, what what can I do? You know, a lot of people they know there's a problem. They've been awakened. Some folks have known this has been a problem, the size of government, the overreach of government, the erosion of liberty. They've seen this for decades now. Other folks have just been awakened to this, whether it's through the FISA abuses or the way Trump's been dealt with or whatever the case may be. More and more people are waking up. But one of the questions is, okay, great, Todd. I know about this. What do I do about it? What would you say to someone that asked that question? Well, I always tell them to get involved uh, at your local level because, believe me, it's not just at the federal level that you see these kind of abuses. And you can just start right at home, whether it's the school board, the the the, the county, the parish, the, the city. Uh, be involved there. Also, constantly let your representatives know uh, uh, what you think. Uh, we, I, I, I will tell you. I hear from people uh, uh, on the other side, and people who hate me, probably a hundred to one <laughs> for people who agree with me. And part of the reason has been uh, because, uh, at least until now, all of our all of our folks are out there. They're they're working. That's they're right. living lives. That's they're right. getting to church. They're they're coaching little league. They're involved in their community. They're just fantastic citizens. But to be an even better citizen, we need you to be involved and let us know. It's really critical. Uh, and I think, uh, and then don't be afraid to put up a Trump sign or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can do all kinds of of things to participate, and and as you do so, um, then you then you'll find that that uh, the country will will move to uh, a, a more constitutional centered uh, base instead of. And we'll, when I say that, I mean, you know, what was intended in the Constitution, not this living document, uh, this this moral relativistic view of what the Constitution is. I'm talking about uh, where words mean something. That's right. That's right. I'll share with you really quickly. When I was in school, I went to American University in D.C., and I was the lone conservative in the class, so it was me versus the class many many days. And I remember walking to lunch one day with the kid. His name was Chris, 
And he came up to me and he said, Todd, you know, you just have so much common sense. And I said, well, Chris, then why aren't you standing up with me, <laughs> defending me, you know? And, and I think that's sometimes what we miss is that we assume that everybody, because the left is vocal, the left is dramatic, the left, you know, I call them dramacrats sometimes. They're really dramatic as far yes. as how they do these things. And so, but it, it's theater oftentimes, and they try to amplify their real numbers. And I think sometimes we've created a bigger a, a bigger uh, political foe, if you will, in our minds than really exists. And, and simply sometimes people just need to stand firmly and just to let people know, hey, that's not acceptable. That's not that's not liberty. That's not freedom. That's not the the role of government. And simply by doing that, I think we would maybe accomplish more than we realize. No, absolutely right. I, I'm a big believer that they're more with us than against us. It's just uh, uh, the the Solinsky method is to be loud, vicious, and if there's just a few of you, if you're loud and vicious, you will give the appearance of being um, uh, far bigger and stronger than you really are. So, so we have to understand there are more of us who believe the way we do, and uh, we can't be afraid to, to express that. Absolutely. Congressman Andy Biggs, I appreciate you being on the program very much, sir. Thank you so much, and God bless what you're doing. And know that there's a bunch of people out here. You're right. We're often quiet, nose to the grindstone, but we are cheering on what you, the Freedom Caucus, uh, and other conservative Repu- uh, Republicans are doing in, in Congress and elsewhere around this country. Oh, Todd, thank you so very much. You keep up the fight, please. All right. That's Congressman Andy Biggs, Arizona's 5th District, and the chair of the House Freedom Caucus. You're listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. All right, welcome back. Going to be an admittedly short segment. We're truncated on time here since we... Uh, had a longer discussion. Again, I appreciate Congressman Biggs for joining us. Um, talked about a lot of issues from reopening the economy, um, the steps, where we where we are nationally. I know it varies from region to region. In fact, different states today are easing restrictions. We've got, um, of course, what governments have done in that time frame, what, what we've seen uh, local and state governments do, some insane things like fill skate parks with sand we've seen the city of dallas arrest um, and put in jail a woman for reopening her salon who's now by the way been released you've probably seen that we've been covering that for the past the past couple of days and all kinds of crazy stuff in between pastors in trouble for opening churches and of course to me the the glaringly obvious question is if i can stay socially distanced at the grocery store or a department store, why can we not stay socially distanced elsewhere? I guess I would, <clears throat> of course, entertain um, what's different if there's a business that involves physical touch. I, I understand that that's, that's different, maybe. You can make the case. Um, but again, you know, this is, um, it's gotten out of control in some places with the, the degree of the measure or I guess the steps and the punishment that the states have been willing, certain cities have been willing to dish out for not obliging um, with the dictates of the state. So hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly did. And uh, there, he's involved in important work. The House Freedom Caucus is 
uh, perhaps the single most uh, important or the most uh, influential group in Congress as it pertains to protecting our liberties and freedoms here in this great nation. So enjoyed my conversation with him. Sorry we've got a short segment. I just have to cut it short because of the time constraints, and uh, that interview was longer than our typical segment length. So got to take a time out here. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, as we begin this process of reopening and uh, the economy and so forth, we have businesses all around the country that are doing things to try to help their customers, those um, you know who who they serve, sell products to. So there's all sorts of things. You've seen this. You've seen businesses working with. Uh, current customers giving discounts, making special offers. There's been some, of course, uh, some really good commercials out there as well. I want to mention one of our advertisers, what they're trying to do to, to help during this difficult time, and that's our good friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. They are offering several installation projects of complete furnace and air systems that are installed during the month of May this month. They offer instant rebates and 0% financing offered by Train, who is America's most trusted brand for six years straight. There are applicable rebates from utility companies that they'll help you um, get set up with. $500 discount after all other offers and $500 that are uh, donated to the nonprofit charity of your choice. And they point out uh, they wanted to make sure that I told you that, that they're struggling. These these nonprofits are struggling as well. You could, even as a listener of this program, have that money directed to our friends at Shepherd Community. So your choice, of course. Uh, but this is what Economy is trying to do to help help customers. So as we get back on our feed here, um, I I ask that you consider supporting those that you hear on this program. They're the ones that help make this program possible. They bring it to you each and every day. I've got a deep respect for our advertisers, for our stations, and, of course, for you in the listening audience as well. Um, it's indeed an honor, and I enjoy doing this very much. Thank you for making that uh, this journey possible. So, again, just a l- I'm just out of time. I-, I tried to do too much in the first half of the program, paying for it here at the latter half i appreciate your understanding gotta take a time out you're listening to conservative not better talk i am your host todd huff back in just a minute all right folks this is about the time that we put our number one actually a whole week in the books here. This will be part of the National Archives, part of the American historical record for all times into the future so folks can look back at the reg- at the record here so long as folks in the media and the government don't really put their fingerprints on it and try to mislead people as to what we talked about, maybe change the audio. You know, you got to be careful on things like that. But 
this is now part of history is the point. And I want to mention one more thing here before we wrap up for the day. We have one of our uh, advertisers. I mentioned this earlier uh, late last week or maybe even this week. Freegy Auctions is having an auction tomorrow, and it's a firearms auction, and you can actually bid uh, bid online. I know we've got a lot of Second Amendment uh, supporters firearms uh you know folks that like to buy and look at and uh, collect maybe firearms so consider checking out this auction tomorrow you can find out more by visiting their website freegeauctioneers.com f-r-e-i-j-e auctioneers with an s.com freegeauctioneers.com you can see them may 9th 1 p.m auction online firearms you can see a whole There's several hundred firearms that they've got. So check that out. Have a great weekend too, folks, by the way. Thank you for listening. Happy Mother's Day as well. See you soon, SDG.